Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Jason Dick is because Jason was part of our February 29th, 2020, 12 hour live show. Unfortunately, that was the last live show we did in 2020 due to a global pandemic. Jason has been on the show more than anyone else that has been part of that 229 show. And that's probably not going to change, but this one is specifically based around the pandemic. There's some baseball talk. There's some vaccine talk. All the good stuff is in this episode. Unfortunately, I'm also here to let you know that we now have a Patreon account because due to the global pandemic, things have changed. Please consider donating at you, me, them, everybody.com. It's in this podcast description and it's on our about page. There are lots of tiers. So if you used to come to this show uh, once or twice a year and buy us a beer, and put some money in the donation basket, there's a tier specifically for you. All right, here's the show. I've probably seen you more than anyone that's participated in the February 29th, 2020 show, period. That's probably right. One, you have a magnificent yard and fire pit. Yeah. <laughs> and also we have the benefit of not just you and I are friends, but our wives are friends. Yeah. And my wife is friends with you and I'm friends with Kelsey. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's worked out well that we've been able to hang out safely. Do you think that things will change once everyone's vaccinated? I mean, that's a loaded question. Obviously, things are going to change, but I guess how are how are you anticipating things change? Um, I, I mean, I think that there's people will just feel a little safer. Like we're still, you know, uh, all a little. At least the people who are concerned about this, not not everybody is as concerned or careful about um, the the virus as as we are, uh, or as you know, Anthony Fauci would want us to be. Um, but I think that, you know, there is still going to be this awareness of um, w- just because we're vaccinated doesn't mean we're 100% safe. We should still, like, use our heads <laughs> sure. about, you know, like, not, uh, you know, and, and I... I mean, I don't know how long it's going to be before we're able to, you know, go to hang out at like the Quarry House, as you mm-hmm. mentioned uh, recently in Silver Spring, which is just this fantastic bar. And, and you know, it's in a basement. So there there is no air circulation. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a little hesitant on that. I mean, like even thinking about, you know, sometime in the next couple of months, I'm likely to be fully vaccinated. And I hope you will be too. But like, I still think I'm going to want to tend to hang out outside at that point. Maybe not in February, but like for a while, um, I, I just think that we're we're going to be safer about this, about like the, the venues in which we hang out, which is sad for a place like Quarry House, you know, that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Fauci and you and your wife are huge baseball fans and you attended all the World Series games and. You were actually in Nats Park more recently than anyone else I know because you were there when they opened it up for a COVID testing site. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, actually, it was. It wasn't the COVID testing site. It was for voting. It was voting, for early voting. Right. Yeah. So a, do you, the Nats are going to allow fans. Uh, I think it's like is it ten percent of the? It doesn't matter. It's like five thousand people. It's not a lot. Yeah. Are you planning on going to a Nats game uh, in April? I think so. Um, I don't know how soon it will be, but, um, you know, my, uh, my wife and I both, uh, have preexisting conditions. And so we're in line to be, uh, you know, vaccinated. Hopefully I think if, if we're, if we're vaccinated and we're able to get 
um, a uh, a seat, you know, it I'd I'd be willing to go. Um, I, I I have in the back of my mind too that like if it doesn't happen, that's fine because April at Nationals Park always is windy and cold and dark. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um and, and so I'm if I miss it, like that sucks. But like at the same time, I you know, all of my really good memories of being in Nationals Park are very few of them come in April. <laughs> Fair. Um, do you think that you'll go to a game if you're not fully vaccinated? Like let's say you get the shot, but it's not the two weeks after. Does this make sense? Yeah. No, I I mean I I have to, I have to kind of see, I have to, I have to think about that when I get there because so the nationals are inviting uh, members of the media to, to see. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the fence about this. It's March 30th. It's a, it's right. It's two days before opening day. And I've done these tours before and it always ends in the diamond suites or in the back, which is like. For those of you that don't know, baseball parks are, even when they're closed, they're sort of open. So even when you're in a box, there's still a giant um, section of the box that's like open air to the field, right? So you're never right. completely indoors. It's almost the exact opposite of Corey House. With Corey House, like there's never fresh air. It's in a basement, right? <laughs> Nats Park is completely different. I highly doubt that this year they're going to even show us the food options. I, I, I agree. I, I think that they're, you know, they know that if they screw this up, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that it's it's hard to get. I mean, never mind what what the city will allow. It'll just be hard to get people in in the gate if like there's some sort of super spreader event exactly. uh, on, on things like this. So I, I think, you know, they could get creative and maybe show us food options, uh, you know, kind of in in pop-up tents or something like that in the concourse. But I, you know, to, to invite a bunch of people in and say like, look at, this is how we're going to be safe. Um, they, I can't help but think that they're going to be very attentive to, to protocols. So I, I mean, I'd kind of like to see that. Same, um, same. Yeah. I'm more interested because I believe that where you work on the Hill is like BS security theater in the sixth prove that. Right. But I'm also completely fine with mostly BS sanitary theater at ballparks for these media tours too, because I'm convinced that they're going to make masking mandatory, at least for the 30th, where once the games begin, it's going to be damn near impossible to police 5,000 people. So in a weird way, I do believe it will be incredibly safe, but also am I just lying to myself because I just want to see something that I haven't seen in over a year? Um, There might be a little bit of both. Um, I, I, you know, when when Texas, you know, when the Texas Rangers announced that they were going to allow like a, a full home crowd for their opener, I just thought like, oh, man, that just that's is scary. Uh, that's a scary thought because it's I mean, it has a I, I don't know the new stadium. I've never been, um, but it, it's you know, they have the option for enclosing it and. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing that they'll have the roof open, but it's not like an, a full outdoor park, yeah. you know, like, like nationals park is. And I, I just, I can't help but think that, you know, some of the folks also who are going, I mean, DC is just in general, people are pretty serious about yeah. taking precautions. And that doesn't mean that there aren't ding dongs out there um, or, or people who are just kind of letting their guard down now that more people are being vaccinated. Um, but I, I just I I would hope it is, but I'm I'm going to be cautious about this because you know like I think 
you know, the, the, there's this sort of line going around, right? Like you, you don't want to be the last person to get polio. Yeah. You, know, you don't want, you don't, you want to, you don't want to be the last person at the embassy in Vietnam, you know, like, like, I mean, it's, it's just this, like, I'm, I'm getting a little like antsy about it. And I just, I'm going to try to be more careful. Um, you know, I've been careful, but there have been risks I've taken or you take a risk every time you go to the grocery store or you go to, you know, pick something up. Um, but I, I'm going to be, if, if it means that I miss, you know, the first month or so of, of baseball, I'm willing to, to deal, to, you know, to work with that, you know, having made it this far without tragedy. Yeah. I, I kind of want to go to see the, the show they put on, but I don't think I'm going to learn from any of it because I think by the middle of summer, the majority of these precautions will be gone and the majority of these limits will be gone as well where right. it's 5,000 people for the first homestand, maybe more throughout the month. But my guess is by the all-star break, it's 50, if not a hundred percent capacity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Um, and you know, like the opening day is always such a madhouse anyway, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, people, it's like going out to eat on a Saturday night. <laughs> um, you know, ev- everybody wants to be there and then it trickles off, you know, so it'll probably be a little naturally, um, you know, safer as, as, as the crowds thin out. Um, or, you know, who knows, maybe there will be a steady stream because people like me have been holding back and being like, you know, I'm going to wait until I get my second shot (laughs) or I'm going to wait, you know, to make sure that this, you know, seems like serious and safe. Yeah. I don't know if this is a good idea. Like the more I talk about it, cause like, what's the, what's the point of going on the 30th, by the way, the listener at home, we're recording this on Friday, March 19th, the numbers might change. Things might change. So why do you want to go? I, I mean, I, I want to go and, and again, like, like I said, I'm not, I'm probably not going to be going to the opener just because of the timing of like, you know, shots and second shots and, and, and so forth. So I'm, the reason that I would want to go is just that, you know, if it, if it feels safe and it feels, and it's warm (laughs) um, and it's, and it's sort of signals this sort of sense of optimism um like that it's it's a sign of like yes we can kind of move on from from what has been just an extraordinarily trying year but like like you the more i i talk about this as we're working through it you know in a conversation the more i'm like you know i'm just gonna let the people who are fully vaccinated go because Mm -hmm. i'm sure there's five thousand of them out there i don't need to be there um you know i don't i don't need to be a part of a risk you know to myself or to others um, and then, you know, we pick up and eventually get there. I mean, I, I, I was hoping I, I, I had thought all along, you know, when the vaccine, you know, first, you know, when the first person got their shot right on December 12th, that I was like, you know, I bet, you know, just given my health and where I am and so forth, that it'll probably be around the end of March. And that's looking like what it's going to be, you know, that, that I'll have a first shot by mm-hmm. sometime by the end of March. I'm the more I'm talking about this with you. I'm in a similar uh, mind frame. I'm thinking of just saying, "Screw it!" I I have a photographer that's fully vaccinated. I'll send them, and then I'll make the first homestand in May or June my like opening day. Right. Yeah. And and you know it it sucks. Like it would it would be great. I haven't missed an opening day um, in in a few years, but it's 
it doesn't mean that much, you know, to, to, you know, that I would get sick or other people would get sick, especially, you know, like there, there will be 5,000 people or however many, you know, like they'll, whatever the capacity is, there will be more than enough people who are willing to go and, and feel like strongly about it. And I, you know, I, I've been able to, I've been extraordinarily fortunate that I've been able to wait this out and work from home and, and, you know, I haven't gotten sick and, and I, in, I, I, in college, you know, I was a resident assistant and I was always the person who volunteered to like close up the dorm, right? Like that I, I didn't need to be on the road the day that the, the last final, right? I had no desire to to be the, you know, first in line on that. And I think that that has sort of translated a little bit to the rest of my life. I'm like, you know, what's another day? Like, uh, mm-hmm. like, why don't, why in it served me well in college cause I didn't have to deal with traffic yeah. <laughs> and I could, uh, I could, I could just sort of chill for a little bit while everybody else was like madly like throwing out their couches out windows and, and, uh, <laughs> and heading home. And then, you know, if I got on the road two or three days later, cool. Like it was not stressful work. Um, and I feel like that's the same thing now. Like, okay, if I, if it just takes a little bit longer for this to be safe, like, you know, we have, we have, really extended this pandemic probably much longer than it needed to be because we just made dumb decisions. People lifted restrictions, you know, when maybe another week would have been key. (laughs) Um, And now is not the time to be like, to throw caution to the wind, so to speak. I have no desire to go to the opening day at all. Um, Because even if you're in a press box, in, in a weird way, the press box is probably more dangerous than anywhere else in the park. But uh, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards no on the 30th now because whilst I do want to talk to other people that cover this stuff, like we should still maintain that distance. And like, (laughs) you're, you're not going to be able to whisper stuff that you would normally whisper to someone else. That's a reporter. So it's, it's, um, it's disappointing that this isn't happening a month later because the numbers in DC are very, very good right now. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, things are, things are looking up. Um, you know, I, I was listening to your, um your podcast catch up with alexander petri you know uh the, the other day and you know like you asked her about like is it okay to hope or something like that like do you feel okay hoping and i'm like yeah actually like i'm i'm okay even though it's gonna it's taking a lot longer than i thought it would um it it's i think it's okay to hope you know we're seeing tangible positive like movement um and i'd like to continue that i think the weather is also just helping yeah. Well, actually, I mean, again, on the day that uh, we're recording this, th- this cold. is not the date. Yeah, <laughs> this is like Chicago, you know, kind of uh, spring weather. It's like forty I, right I, now, but <laughs> but like this weekend is going to be nice, and yes. in theory, on opening day, it's going to be nice or raining. It's going to be one or the other. Right. I mean, it, again, April has always been a weird mixed bag of of uh, cold weather in the ballpark. Um, I mean, I. I remember, you know, I went to the opening series in 2012, the Nationals Cubs at Wrigley, and and I thought, oh my word, Uh, no, no, it was it was cold, but not like so bad that they had to you know cancel anything. It was windy and cold, but it was sunny, Um, and I thought, wow, you know, this is definitely what you hear about Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then when I started going to games in April at Nationals Park, it's the same thing basically. I I went to a few games in the mid aughts, uh, like games two and three, because a lot of the season ticket people I knew um, would get 
like opening day, but then they would also like give them a ton of April games because the majority of people don't want to go. So I've gone to a lot of April baseball games, and I remember wearing like a winter coat, but also getting sunburn on my ears. Yes, it's <laughs> yes, really it's, weird. It's, it's I mean, and again, like I you know, I think about this with the weather. You know, I mean, this is this now marks twenty three years, almost twenty three years I've lived uh, in Washington, or a couple years in West Virginia. Um, and you know, like growing up in Arizona. <laughs> It's just, it's like, what am I doing here? This, this is terrible weather. Um, but it does get eventually nicer, but not as nice as it is right now in, in my hometown, uh, in Phoenix. Are you glad you're in DC and not Phoenix? Yes, because I mean, my life is here now. Um, I, I mean, I, I have grown my, my affection for Phoenix. Uh, and then the, I mean, I was born in Phoenix and went to high school there, but I, I, grew up uh, for my younger years in a town called Cottonwood, about 100 miles north of Phoenix. And my affection for Phoenix and, and Cottonwood has grown since leaving. Um, I, I, you know, I was, I was looking forward to leaving when I left. And, and uh, I don't think I could do what I do, um, you know, which is be a political journalist uh, in, the, in the way that I do it here, uh, somewhere else like, like Phoenix, even though you know, I was willing to give it a try at one point. I wouldn't have met people like you uh, and and several other friends and people who I'm very close to now. I mean, I I think that you know this is my home now, um, but I also feel like Arizona is still my home in in a way. Um, I had a, a, a birthday a couple a few weeks ago, and one of my friends um, wrote to me and said, "Like, you're it's it's interesting. You're more Arizona now than you were when you lived here." Um, even though I've been absent for a couple of decades. So what does that mean? More Arizona now? I, I feel like I, I understand and appreciate, you know, the, the, the kind of the quirks and the things about Arizona that makes it um, a special place like that. I didn't when I was younger. I mean, I was always hyper aware of the things I didn't like about it, which, you know, makes me make me a, a, a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you usually don't appreciate the places that you're growing up in because it just always seems like somebody else is having a better time somewhere else. And I, I certainly, you know, started, you know, really enjoying myself uh, in college. Um, I, I was able to go to college in a couple of different places and what, what, for a couple of years in Tucson, and and then before transferring up to Flagstaff, Northern Arizona University. And I taught, you know, in a couple different parts of the state. And so I, I've lived kind of all over Arizona and I traveled a lot through it when I was a kid. And now, you know, v- visiting other places in the world, not just D.C., but in the rest of the United States, in Europe, in Mexico, you know, Hawaii. Like, it, it's like, oh, there's a reason that, that Arizona, like, has this sort of pull on people. And, you know, I'm not... I don't think I've fetishized it. Like I, I do occasionally wear a bolo tie because I think it's just cool. Um, not, not, not because I'm a rhinestone cowboy or whatever, but I, I just, I think I'm like, Oh, this is, this is what makes this place kind of special. And this is why people move there. Um, it's not, it's not just the weather. Um, it's, it's truly a spectacularly beautiful place. And it's also a weird place. You know, it, it is a, um, if you think about Arizona as a, 
uh, Arizona and Mexico is sort of a continuum. It makes a lot more sense culturally. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and you can go in either, either direction too. Like that, it works that way with New Mexico and it works that way with California that, you know, there's this sort of fluid fluidity to the, to culture, whether it's, uh, you know, Hispanic culture or native American culture or Anglo culture or people who move there from Chicago uh, or, or places like that. And, uh, you know, this was, this kind of came home to me a little bit when I was doing some research on Deb Holland, who, you know, was a, a Democratic Congresswoman from New Mexico. And she was just confirmed by the Senate um, recently to be the Interior Secretary. She's the first Native American to head a cabinet secretary, a cabinet department, and she's the first Native American woman, one of the first two Native American women in Congress. And she was born in Winslow, Arizona, which is where my mother was born, and what where most people just know it because of the Eagle song. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh yeah, like she's from New Mexico, but she's also from Arizona, and it, it's just this it's grown as it's, it's richness has grown, uh, you know, to me, you know, it was always rich. Right. But like, it's, 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 I just have a, a broader understanding of it. I think that I, than I did when I left. If you're able to work remotely indefinitely and you could spend half your time in Cottonwood and have your time in on the Hill, would you do that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Do you think I, that's I, likely to happen? I don't think so. I mean, I think that one of the things that, um, I mean, I don't know about my own personal situation, um, but I feel like once things, once once people are vaccinated, um, I think there's going to be a push to get people back in offices. <laughs> um, and I mean, I I don't, um, I don't particularly miss um, working in an office. Um, I mean, at, you know, along the lines of uh, what Alexandra told you that uh, she, when she goes to the office, she basically just like hangs out and talks and <laughs> doesn't get really a lot of work done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the situation with me too. I miss the people, but I don't miss, you know, having a standing desk where I, you know, edit copy, you know, yeah. and I, I, I can do that uh, here. I, if I had a, a choice like what I think is more likely is that um you know in like sort of low-key months like August or something like that it will probably be acceptable for flexible you know and kind of progressive workplaces to let people work somewhere for an extended period of time and, and especially if it borders on their vacation but I'm hoping that during busy times, work weeks, you know, particularly with Congress that like maybe, you know, I'll go into the office a couple of times a week, but Mm -hmm. then also maybe I'll be on the Hill for a day and I can spend other times that where I don't need to be in either place working at home. I wonder if there's going to be a huge travel boom. I bet. I mean, I, I, you know, like I've, you know, I've already like, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours uh, said, I'm going to Georgia and yeah. not like Georgia, like in, in the Southeastern United States in June. And you, you know, you and, and Fawn should come too. And I'm, and I was just like, I just don't know. Like that. I don't feel great, but like about that. And partly I think I'm going to be, everything's going to be safe, you know, in order to go. But at the same time, I need to like do some other travel too. I'd, I'd like to go back to Cottonwood. I'd like to see my mom. Um, like to check on, you know, my, my, um, you know, just some places there before I go. But I, I think there is this pent up demand yeah. for tourism. And 
that's I think that's going to have to be in stages too because you know the places big travel places like the European Union they seem to be yeah I wonder if this is going to be a weird uh, not weird but maybe expected like the US travel is going to be massive because we're more vaccinated than all of Europe but uh, I know a lot of people in my life that have not necessarily slowed down nearly as much and (laughs) they're living like this doesn't exist so Maybe I'm lying to myself. Maybe it's just small bubbles in certain cities that are very still cautious. I I mean, I, I saw this story, um, you know, about this big study that Gallup and, and I can't remember the other organization did that, again, the partisan divide, you know, about masks and so forth is real, but that that conservatives have tended to, you know, completely blow off the risks of, of COVID and and liberals had over exaggerated the risks Mm -hmm. and so i i mean i think i do think that there's going to be a boom particularly you know as particularly with people who have like grandparents and so forth like that you know because because it's one thing to be like i'm going to go to a bar or i'm going to i'm going to go to the beach or i'm going to go to like that because there may be this fatalism with like, Oh, you know, if I get sick, like I'm young, I can handle it. But Mm -hmm. like, if you're, if you're, if it's a very tangible, like I could kill granny, like that's (laughs) that, I think that's where a lot of people are drawn, have drawn the line. And as granny gets vaccinated and other people do, like it becomes more real to go visit, you know, somebody across the country, a relative across the country. I mean, much like it's, you know, more real for me to go see my mom, you know, in, in Arizona. Um, You know, she's, she's fully vaccinated now. Um, and I, I mean, I, I would guess that like, you know, within a year, like, you, you know, you've, you've talked about like the roaring twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think in 2022, it's going to be, um, it, it's a, it's going to be a real splurge time, especially if the economy keeps growing, yeah. you, you add jobs, people are going to have money, you know, like that, that's not just $1,400 stimulus checks from <laughs> the treasury department. Um, but I, I, I remember right before the pandemic that I was starting to see a lot of these articles show up in, you know, like stuff that, that we read, right. You know, like that, uh, in our, in our bubbles about like how tourism was killing the planet, you know, that people were so many people were visiting Iceland or like Madagascar or whatever that, uh, the, it was straining the capacity of, of these places to deal with it. And they were dealing with an influx of trash and carbon emissions were up and all this kind of stuff. And I, I hope we don't go back to that where we feel like we're about to kill the planet um, with, uh, it, you know, like loving it to death, if you will. But it would be nice to gradually get back to that. Um, I just don't know what the timetable is going to be for me. Would you get on a plane without being fully vaccinated? No. Yeah, I'm with you. But that's also because I have a kid and... Like just getting on a plane with a kid is also a nightmare. So it's like <laughs> it's an easy it's an easy out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's it's a good. I for me, it's just a convenient cutoff point. You know, I can just say like, you know, I, I um, it looks like I'm eventually. You know, I I would guess you know May I'll be fully vaccinated. As in like, also with the the waiting period of mm-hmm. the two week waiting period mm-hmm. after a second shot. You know, if that's required, um, and. I, that's at the point where I'm like, okay, now I can plan. Cause I don't, I mean, it would, to me, it would just be too stressful to plan to not, not knowing the exact timetable. Right. 
Um, which is why I told our you know mutual friend, like, I just, I mean, I would love to go hang out like in a cool, crazy, cool, cheap place, <laughs> uh, like, like Georgia and drink, you know, wine out of clay jars or whatever they do, you know? And, um, but I just, I'm just too, I'd be just too stressed out. Like if I wasn't going to be fully vaccinated by that point. Um, and then again, there's like the, the backlog on seeing, seeing folks here too. Yeah. I'm uh I'm I'm very much looking forward to this and I'm in a not a weird way I think this is a very normal thing. I'm glad that it's happening when it's happening because be, this is the start of when people would go out anyways by choice and stay outside by choice so there's not that incentive to go inside because you're cold. You've right. just spent all winter inside so you're going to want to spend all night outside too, which is great and because of that I think that we're not going to be trying to we being the culture push things back into bars as soon as they would have normally be pushed back into bars. Does that make sense? Yeah. And also it's just more fun to drink outside. Depends on the, <laughs> depends on the time. Depends yes, on the night. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. But like in, in May, you know, in, in like a nice spring day, um, it, it's really hard to beat like, you know, when it's nine o'clock and it's still light out a little bit mm-hmm. and you're just hanging out with your friends and, and drinking a beer on a patio or, you know, like, you know, by some park or something like that. I mean, that's just really, to me, that's hard to beat. I wonder if uh, American cities will become slightly more European with the like uh, expanded, these areas are okay to drink in publicly, a la New Orleans. Like in DC, there's like, in, in specifically in uh, Tacoma Park, uh, there's like there's signs being like it's okay to drink in these specific areas in the park, and then most every roundabout in DC is just totally fine to drink right now. I wonder if that's going to stick around. I hope so. I mean, I, I I thought about this for for years. You know, after having spent quite a bit of time in New Orleans and like when I was younger in Europe, you know, places like you know places like Germany where you know people can can drink when they're younger and, you know, in public didn't seem to melt into the ground because of it. Like we, you know, we, we've always been super paranoid about drinking uh, in, in this country and the, and the, all the strictures that come with it. And it's not like we have it better. Like we've some, have some like master system to be emulated. If, if anything, like we could use a loosening up. And, you know, one of the things I, I really like about New Orleans um, is, is that, you allow people to to let off steam in ways that are appropriate so mm-hmm. that they don't have to let off steams in ways that are inappropriate. Clearly, same page. Um, <laughs> I know I've been asking a lot of people this, like, do you think I'll see you in 2021? I've already seen you a bunch in 2021. So I get, and I think the answer is yes, I'll clearly see you in 2021 indoors. It's just probably going to be in like June or July and probably only because it's raining. Right. Right. And, and, you know, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, doing this podcast with you in person at the Wonderland ballroom at some point, you know, I mean like that, that, that is something I'm looking forward to just like eventually I'm looking forward to, you know, getting some entirely unhealthy meal at the quarry house, you know, (laughs) uh, and, 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 and being able to go into a record store, for more than 15 minutes, you know, uh, without worrying about like, oh, you know, if I lingered too long over the traditional jazz section and am I going to get COVID because I just want to be out and buy a record right now? Um, I think uh, July, no, August. August will probably be when the live show returns is my guess. Not because I can't do it in June or July, but because 
it won't be fully vaccinated with the two week thing. And if May 1st is the everyone could be in line, essentially, that makes me think by the end of May, everyone will have been vaccinated if they want to get vaccinated, Mm -hmm. which pushes us into like middle of July. Therefore, screw it. Let's just do August. Yeah, that's my guess. I think so. Yeah. And again, like what's what's the rush, right? (laughs) Like, I mean, you've you've I think really mastered like this format now like in in the last year and if you have to do it a couple more weeks like cool oh sure but that's fine i just miss meeting new people and whilst i've had about 10 new guests in since the pandemic began it's difficult to to maintain any sort of continuity of conversation where like if you're invited to do the show once you're sort of in that orbit in a, in a more natural way, or right. I shouldn't say natural way, just like a more standard way. Well, you have like things that you do you have in common, you know, not just the common experience of, of being on a stage, you know, and, and, and being in the kind of conversations that, that we tend to have at, at the show, but also just, we've gotten to know each other. Like, you know, um, you know, a couple of years ago, you didn't know Clyde McGrady, you know, mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. he's like, he's, he's in the, now he's in the roster, right? Yeah. He, he's in, he's in the, the Weatherby uh, orbit. But I'm and, trying to expand that orbit. And that's the thing that's, I didn't even yeah. know that I would, that I was going to miss. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I think that the, one of the things that we've gotten right, you know, in the last year is, knowing okay we can do this that doesn't mean we have to do it like past the past the point where we don't have to but like we we figured out how to move on we figured out how to how to like not totally shut down and i really appreciate that um and but i am i am looking forward to it like i i um i i i I can't i can't remember if we talked about this like but so after um, after my birthday, my birthday was March third. The weekend after that, there's this um, movie festival put on by some people in your hometown mm-hmm. of Chicago. Uh, the uh, the F this movie people they did F this movie fest, um, and it, it was usually something that they did kind of virtually. I mean, they had the whole crew in the the editor in chief uh, Patrick Bromley his basement, um, but everybody was virtual this year, and you and they watched six movies all from 1988 and then you, and everybody watched it at the same time and did it on Twitter. And you could tell like, cause they, and they did a podcast uh, that the F this movie podcast after, after watching Die Hard was the last movie that of the, of the night. Um, and you could tell that they were like, this was kind of cool. There were more people yeah. that were a part of this and we want, you know, we want that to continue, but then they were also like, but we also can't wait to have like popcorn cheese balls at, you know, like the basement or, you know, mm-hmm. like next year too. I mean, and, and I'm like, if we can just keep some sort of like the best parts of, of this setup, like, oh, I can't make it. Let's so that we can do it over, you know, uh, over Zoom or Zencaster or, or whatever, where you use. But like, let's let's not lose track of like, like the good things that happened. Like that we ex- we were able to expand some of our circles in ways that we hadn't before. I'm gonna close with this. It's uh, an idea that I'm disappointed that never came to fruition, and I thought the pandemic would have been perfect for it. I believe that we should have year-round outdoor movies, and that we should use high school football fields, local junior high football fields, any school that already has a built-in system of bleachers. Do it there, and that's your community shared experience where you don't have to worry about COVID. Absolutely. I. I mean, I. 
you know, we went, my, my wife and I went to a couple of drive-ins, uh, last summer and, you know, you can go, uh, as it gets colder. I mean, again, February, maybe some, <laughs> maybe that's the time when you, uh, uh, hunker down, but you know, there are always warm times to have. And I, I think, you know, drive-in movies and, you know, like the pop-ups that they had at RFK stadium here in DC and just traditional drive-ins. I mean, like that is such a great communal feel. And I, I'm right there with you. I, I wish I, I under, and I completely in, understand in that, like high schools and all that. Yeah. Know, I too. love drive. Like, I've been to a drive in my entire life, just one. And not because I don't want to, but because there's, there's so few and far between. And I understand the, the economics behind that. I get that, but there's no shortage of high school football fields, and right. the majority of them in Washington, D.C. have metal bleachers, which aren't inherently warm, but you could easily space six feet apart. You're not ruining the field. You have the sound system already ready to go. I'm not saying doing this in the middle of February. I'm just saying you could easily do an April through November program. Just run a bunch of like kids' films and classics films. Like It's not about being silent. It's about having that communal experience and bringing out the neighborhood. And I think it's like a good way, the same way a race helps a community. This is the exact same idea. I'm totally there with you. And, and there's a great high school like near, near your, your place in your right mind. Now. So yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. You, me, them, everybody is made by me, Brandon Weatherby. Our theme music is by Daniel Knox. Our art is by Jillian Ron. You can hear all 13 years of shows at youmethemeverybody.com. If you're listening to this in Spotify or on iTunes, the last year of episodes are available uh, with some sprinklings of the other ones. If you want the rest of the catalog, which features over 700 episodes, youmethemeverybody.com. Our Patreon page is on our About page. It's all there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff, at sign Y-M-T-E. Thanks for listening. I'll hunt the places that you've been sleeping. Friends and family I'll be keeping won't help.